today um, is, uh, it's been a minute since um, we've talked a little bit about raising children. And so it feels good on a day like today to talk about that. And I know that is a very, like, like provocative title. Everything you need to know. <laughs> to, oh, yes. I did that on purpose. <laughs> oh, yes. Everything you need to know. <laughs> um, and that's why there's three portions of Scripture. <laughs> because we need to encapsulate all of it. I want to pray first, and then we will jump in. God, you are a loving parent to us. Um, you have welcomed us into your family and we are known by your name as your children. And so, Lord, today we get to celebrate you, celebrate that, but also celebrate what it is to um, be a part of how you care for children in general. So, Lord, as we kind of dive in Scripture together, May everything that I say bring you glory and build up this body, but also, Lord, may we be encouraged and challenged by your spirit today. Renew our minds. Clean our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, it's intentionally um, not um, everything you need to know about parenting. Because parenting and raising a child are different things. Um, I want you to see this picture, and this is a part of why. I want us to avoid the temptation to think that this sermon is about people who are guardians of minors. That's not what this sermon is about. This is not about you and your household raising a child, no. That's not true of everyone in this room, so that doesn't make sense for me to do a sermon like that. I would just send you a text if I wanted to give you parenting advice. I'd just send it to those of you for whom that's true. But this is a sermon about how to raise a child, and this picture is important. I googled it takes a village to raise a child, and this is the third picture that was there. It's not that deep. But that's something that we believe. I know that's not a biblical proverb. It's an African proverb. I get that. But it's true nonetheless. And one of the things that we continue to affirm here at Unison is this is a, we are the village, so whether or not you have adopted or given birth or are grandparent raising a child or you have brought in nephews and nieces or you found some child on the side of the road that needed your love and you welcomed them into your home regularly, this is not just about that. This is about us, everything we need to know to raise a child. And halfway this, through this sermon, as we're reading the verses, I'm telling you now, our minds will naturally flip to, okay, talking, we're talking about parenting. We're talking, nope, I want us to keep coming back to this picture in our minds. So I'm leaving it up here so long. One of your hands is in there. 
one of your hands is in there. Find the one that looks closest to your skin tone and say, that's me. <laughs> so, so, sorry for our lighter members. It's in there. It's just behind some of the dark skin. It's behind those ones, holding up the other side of the baby. <laughs> we together are a part of what it is. I am grateful for this village that has been a part of loving our four children. I'm grateful for it. See yourself in this sermon. See yourself in this picture, regardless of your role in terms of your household. There's some verses of Scripture that we are pretty familiar with that we're going to read. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Direct your children unto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. I actually like, that's the NLT, that's what we normally kind of read out of here, but I like the way the NIV says it better. Start children off the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not turn from it. The, the literal translation of the way they should go, like that is literally translated from Hebrew. That's exactly what that means. And it's not like this secret code for raise a bunch of God-fearing humans. That's not actually what this portion of Scripture is saying. It really is imploring. Start them off in the way they should go. Know them and Help them go in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't turn from it. I'm going to come back to that verse because some of us have been a part of raising humans to adulthood. And it's hard to see the fruit of what you, the seeds that you planted when they were children because it doesn't seem as though they're going the way they should go. Amen. We're going to come back to it. I told you we're holding the tension. We're holding it. Hold it. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. I'm going to pause in the middle of that verse. The best way for us to actually understand what fathers means is not just paternal parent, parent, but also in the broader context, village, <laughs> right? So when we talk about, especially when we talk about the culture of like this this the culture of individuals that are being written to, and even for many of our cultures, we don't think about just the influence of the individuals who are, have legal custody. Like, when you think about it, like, even when we talk about, like, individuals who get wrapped up in gangs, no one just blames the parent for a person getting wrapped up in a gang, right? They talk about the community they came from. The neighborhood was rough. Why? Because... The village absolutely matters. And I want us to not go straight to paternal, biological, or adopted 
guardian, I want us to see ourselves there. Do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. I underline rather on purpose because sometimes we read a portion of Scripture like this and we focus on the first part of it, and it says don't provoke them to anger, and, we talk, and anger becomes the thing that we focus on. But that word rather is there on purpose. It's saying if you don't bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord, that's the thing that provokes them to anger. He's, Paul says a very similar thing to the Colossians. It's almost the exact same words. Ch fathers, don't aggravate your children, which literally means provoke them to anger. And the last part of the thing is the thing that's important, or they will become discouraged. This is not just about what we do. This is about what we don't do sometimes as well. As a village, as parents, as individuals who are a part of raising a community of adults that started off as children, sometimes what we don't do provokes children to anger just as much as what we do. And the result is not that they wild out in the streets. <laughs> the result is not that they tantrum and mire. That's a lack of discipline. <laughs> the result is they're discouraged. The result is they're discouraged. Let's talk a little bit about what anger is. Anger, especially from a biblical standpoint, is a productive emotion instigated by a lack of justice. When we provoke children to anger, there is this lack of justice. Real talk, some of us grew up with a bunch of strain in the relationships with our parents. And we have been provoked to anger because of the lack of justice, because one or the other of my parents was not as engaged as I needed them to be. And the result is I'm discouraged. That's how that works. When we talk about parent wounds, all of us got a little something. I was on the, we were, Christine and I were doing a Zoom call with my parents and siblings yesterday. And my mom was like, parents get the bad rap for everything. I'm like, well, <laughs> I mean, we kind of, <laughs> we are influential humans. And so if we ain't on our business. <laughs> we leave a gaping hole. And the result is discouragement. Hold the tension. Because some of us immediately went to condemnation there because we feel like we're not doing as good as we should. Hold the tension. We'll get to it in a moment, just like we're going to get to the other part. Hold it. Let's hold it together. What this scripture is not saying is to not discipline your children because you will make them angry with you. <laughs> There's way too many portions of Scripture that tell us that discipline is an okay thing. Not okay, it's an important thing. It's, in fact, the way in which we demonstrate our love to our children the most effectively. Without discipline, 
Our children have no vessel with which to carry the love we have for them, and it spills out all over the place. Discipline is not just punishing. Discipline is instilling self-discipline into them because they ain't got it when they come out. (laughs) Nobody comes out with self-discipline. None of us do. We come out with indulgence and eating 12 cookies. That's your boy. I'm telling you. Okay, real story. When I was like 14, I came home from school by myself, house empty. My mom used to get these like, you know, take and break cookies that, you know, the cookie dough and you put them in. I made a whole sheet of chocolate chip cookies for me. (laughs) I had them in rows like, yes, five rows of three. Here we go. Yes. I got to cookie 14, and I realized why my mom told me I can't have that many cookies. (laughs) Because I was not born with discipline. (laughs) And so that day, I learned by experience, while we don't eat 15 cookies in one sitting, so I stop at 13, and we're fine. No. (laughs) No. Scripture teaches that discipline is an important part of what it is to actually be a human, not just grow up, not just parents, not just villages, what it is for us to be human, what it is for us to actually emulate God well and requires self-discipline. There's a portion of Scripture in Hebrew. This is honestly my favorite portion of Scripture about discipline. No, it's not spare the rod, spoil the child. No, it's Hebrews. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. Those of us who are avoiding disciplining people around us, the, the children that are around us because they won't enjoy it, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's okay for us to know that because if we don't know that, if we don't have that deep in our soul that I'm about to disappoint this human, then I'll start kind of avoiding the conflict because I don't want their feelings to get hurt. Nobody enjoys it while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Those of us who have been living for multiple decades, we have moments where we remember things that our elders said randomly, sometimes about cookies, sometimes about finances. I remember the moment I learned what my dad was talking about when he said, don't leave a job before you have another one. I told y'all that story already. Trust me, it wasn't pretty. And all of a sudden, three weeks into no job, struggling, that's what daddy was talking about. He does know. (laughs) For those of us for whom those things were never actually said and we can't figure out why we're struggling, we're discouraged. Some of us have lived. We've gotten to adulthood, and we don't have this bank of seeds that someone was planting along the road. 
of little nuggets of wisdom that you can't do anything with at eight, but will absolutely need at 28. Some of us don't have that. Hold the tension. Hold it. That's a part of what that discouragement that I was talking about, provoking a child to anger. It's not just what we do. It's sometimes what we don't do as well. And the result is they can't figure out why they couldn't just leave their job even though the employer was treating them unfairly. And now they're three months behind on bills. Hold the tension. Let's talk about what we should know based upon all of what this was. And we'll come back to that Hebrew verse in a minute. I said everything you need to know to raise a child, know God. Amen. That's not just Christianese. I'm serious. <laughs> I'm serious. Here's why. Go to that next one. Know your children. Know your child. Know your children. That first verse in Proverbs, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. There's, you, you, there's, only one, there's only two ways in which you can actually get to that space where you know where they should go. Knowing God and knowing them. Amen. We should be praying for the children whom we have influence with. Yes. Praying that God would show us the unique skills and talents and abilities that are in them that we can fan that flame. We should be praying that God would reveal to us, God, what do you have for them? What's the vision that you have for their life? What is their purpose, God? Because they don't know it at 12. Doesn't matter how many times we ask young people what they want to do when they grow up. It changes like 18 times each year. One of my kids, their dream job was a garbage man because they enjoyed the truck. It's a great job, but it's not what they want to do now <laughs> because that's just not who, that's not how humans work. We don't know what we want to do with our life when we first come out any more than we have the self-discipline to actually attain it. As adults around them, it becomes our responsibility to have an intimate enough relationship with God to seek their purpose on their behalf before they get to when it matters. So they're not discouraged by the time they graduate from high school because they have nothing. They don't know where they're going to go and they don't know what they're going to do. All of us have questions when we graduate from high school. But a part of our job as their village is to turn as many of them question marks into periods as we can. So that they leave encouraged to pursue what it is that the Lord has for them. I'm not telling every, I'm not saying every moment we need to have prophetic moments. This, I hear the Lord telling me that you're going to do this. And I hear the Lord you're te telling you're going to do that. No. When you see them shining in the skill that they're in, encourage it. <laughs> Remember what it was to be 14 and trying something for the first time and encourage it. <laughs> it doesn't feel good when you're trying something for the first time and you're not sure. It doesn't matter how good you are at it. But if we, the people that love them, 
encourage it and say, oh, yeah, absolutely. See, I feel like God's moving in you when you do that. Knowing and having an intimate enough relationship with God. Even even though we're talking about the village, those of us who do have the joy of having children in our homes, we can call you the lead child raisers for that particular one, (laughs) or four or five or however many you have. Having an intimate enough relationship with God to be able to ask the Lord, show me what you have for them, and also having an intimate enough relationship with that child to walk with them through that. Not to tell them what to do about their life, but to walk with them through it. I can tell you now, we've prayed that for our children, and honestly, there's one, there's one of them where the Lord has revealed something that, honestly, I don't see it right now. Like, I trust you, God, but I really don't see that. But I also remember that I've changed a lot since I was a kid. There's things that I'm doing that nobody saw either. The Lord saw it. I don't have to get it, but I do need to have an intimate enough relationship with them to walk with them through what we both don't fully understand. And I can say, not God told me, so this is what it's going to be. Hey, listen, I've changed a lot too. Let me tell you what I was dreaming about when I was a teenager. And this is how the Lord has led me. It's something totally different, but I'm so fulfilled in it. Can you imagine what that would have been like for those of us who had that career change at 30-something? Right? Where you just knew your whole life you were going to be doing this and then audible. (laughs) Something's different. Yeah, it's more fulfilling, but also that was a hard road if somebody had given you a little bit of a heads up and a glimpse, that's our job, family. That's our job as the village. Know God, know your children. This is another one. Know yourself. We have to know where I end and that child begins because oftentimes we aggravate our children because we see too much of ourselves in them. And we're trying to make a sequel of our life as opposed to seeking the Lord for their life. There's nothing wrong with acknowledging what we have in common. It's a beautiful thing. But at some point, I have to make sure that I draw a line between them being an extension of me because that's not what that is. They're not an extension of me. They are their whole own self. That's why the Lord would say, train them up in the way they should go, not the way you should have (laughs) went. Come on. I'm telling you, as a musician, I have to take some 
It's real. I have to have so much self-discipline to not turn my children into the Jackson Five. <laughs> the Clark sisters or something. Waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning, work out these harmonies, y'all. Like, <laughs> I promise you, there have, there's moments there's moments where they're singing or doing something around the house, and I'm like, oh, we could do it now. We can drop the album now. <laughs> and it would be fun. But I also recognize that's actually me trying to live out my dream for them. And that's a really hard thing. It's a really hard thing. If I don't know that about myself, I'm pushing me on them and I aggravate them. You know how many stars out here, parents push themselves on them and they're discouraged? I don't care how good they are at it. They hate their lives because someone pushed themselves on them rather than, Holy Spirit, will you show me what it is that they're doing? And maybe you'll use this, maybe we get to do this together as a family around a piano at home, but what is it that you have for them, God? Where do I end? And they begin. Help me see the line so I don't provoke them to anger and that results in their discouragement. And that's not just for the ones that are in our houses. Some of us have values. One of, the, one of the great things about yesterday, we had the men's breakfast. We got, a, got to sit around the table and talk about values that have changed over generations. We had a Gen Z person there, a millennial, and some boomers. And we got to talk about how values have changed. And how is it that we as older men can share the values that we have, but at some point still, we have to know where I end because regardless of what this value is that's important to me, I'm going to pass away, and you're going to have to carry out something, and it can't be carrying out me. It has to be carrying out the Word of God. It has to be carrying out what it is that the Lord sees, and if I am so blinded by me because I don't know myself, I miss the opportunity to cast a vision for the children around me that will last beyond me. I told you we're going to come back to this verse in Hebrews because of the last two things I want us to think about. This is Hebrews chapter 12. It's the kind of longer portion. And you have forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children. And have you forgotten, rather. He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Told you it was all good. It was good. And don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? <laughs> if God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate. 
and are not really his children at all. Pause. Tension. Challenge. It's there. It's here. And, And this portion of scripture isn't mincing any words. If you... So I'm going to just turn it into the Chase Amplifier version. If you don't want to be disciplined by God, then basically you're saying you ain't one of his kids. If you don't want the Spirit of God to correct you when you overstep, then basically what you're saying is, I'm not interested in being one of his children. That's how God is with all of his children. So if we're adopted into his family, then that's something I should expect. That's not true of every household. There are other spirits that would gladly let you be their parents, and they may not discipline you. But that's not how this daddy works. That's not how this daddy works. This one has structure and discipline. And if you don't want it, then basically what you're saying is, I don't want you. (laughs) Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, hold that tension, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. And I'm repeating this verse, no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It is painful, but afterward there, is, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Before I go to the next slide, I want us to unpack all of that. There's a reason why the writer of Hebrews is connecting this relationship with our heavenly father, with our earthly parents, our earthly village. Because ultimately, that's something that's close enough to us that we can see. Yeah, I was mad when they took away my, when they they grounded me and they told me I couldn't do this, I was mad, but I get it now. That's basically what he's saying, right? There's moments where we can look back and we're frustrated that our, that our parents or someone disciplined us. But we can look back and we say, yeah, it made sense. I actually needed that. That was a knucklehead moment. And what, what, what is it? Uh, hard heads lead to soft behinds. <laughs> I needed it. I'm better for it. That exact same mentality is to be transitioned into our relationship with the Heavenly Father. I don't, not, I, I don't automatically, just because I reach the age of, of, you know, legal adulthood, all of a sudden know all the things. I don't all of a sudden have it all together just because I even have children of my own. There is still discipline that needs to be worked in me, and that comes by the Holy Spirit from a loving Father. And if I don't want it, then basically I don't want him. And here's the thing. Our relationship to the children around us should mirror that. 
the, one of the most important things about what it is as for those of us who are village and those of us who are lead child raisers, if my children cannot anticipate experiencing the same kind of relationship with me as they're going to experience with God, then that's something that I need to make sure that I correct. They should be able to transition from trusting me into trusting God. I'm not their God. I get it. But here's the reality. They don't actually need to trust God right now. Oh, wait, what? They don't need to trust God to eat. They need to trust me, and I trust God to eat. <laughs> That's how that works. We make sure that they get something to eat, and they don't need to pray about that. They don't, they're not in the bank account when it's, when it's low. They're not checking it. We are, because that's our job. <laughs> but at some point, they need to know what that process was like. And if I've not given them something to trust— then they won't know how to trust the Father when it's time for that transition. If I've not given them structure and discipline, they will be mad at God every time God disciplines them, and they will say, God doesn't love me because he keeps putting structure in my life. That's who God is, Amen. period. Amen. It's my job to shepherd the children around me into a relationship with him. That's my, that's my primary responsibility. I know I got other ones, but if, if all else fails, they need to know what it is to actually be in relationship to God. That comes, yes, in provision, but it also comes in discipline. And it also comes in mercy. Some of us have hard hands. I'm saying it. There's been times in my life, even in my parenting journey, my hand has been too hard. Not remembering that I am in an intimate relationship with a merciful God. And if my children never experience mercy from me, they will grow up anxious about their relationship with the Father. I'm saying mercy on purpose. Grace and mercy are different. Grace is you couldn't do anything to get it, and I'm giving it to you anyway. Mercy is you messed up, but I'm not giving you what you deserve. Mercy is something we receive from God daily. How come our children don't receive it from us? Let that conviction sit in for a minute. There are times where we need to actually spell it out into words. Hey, you earned this punishment, but here's how we're going to do this this time. Let's talk about it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to be honest with you. Next time, there probably ain't going to be no mercy, but today, <laughs> I ain't God. <laughs> he got, he got, he got a lot more mercy than I got. <laughs> Sometimes we need to have that so they know what it will be like so they know what it will be like but there's one little portion of scripture there's one little verse hebrews 12:10 for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how i want you to show that this last little slide 
Know that your best in God's hand is good. I told you we're going to come back to it. Know that your best in God's hands is good. Some of us who are raising children in our homes, we need to actually hear that. Some of us who are adoptive parents or bonus parents, that's, step, that's new language for step parents, for those of us who don't know what that is. Bonus parents, right? Step feels weird. <laughs> know that your best in God's hand is good. That's not a consolation. If some of us don't, we, we did not get a manual when we, when we came around children all of a sudden. Like you don't, like you, we study more to get our license to drive than to be parents. That's why some of us are way more proficient at parallel parking <laughs> than helping our children with homework. <laughs> Listen, just call your teacher. <laughs> right? It's okay. It's okay. The same God that encourages us to have mercy with our children gives us mercy too. And he will fill in the gaps of what I don't know. That's why I said everything you need to know. Know God. Know your children. Know yourself and know that your best in God's hands really is good. It's good. I said earlier, like parents, we're influential but we're not God. We're influential, but we're not God. So that means we have gaps that we could never actually give our children. If I don't have the seed, then I can't sow it in my child. But I can trust that God will care for what I don't know. Some of us, I said, the hold, you've been holding the tension all sermon about the fact that you didn't have a rela- your relationship with your parents are strained or you didn't have one at all. So you don't even really know how to do this thing of raising children. The best you got, trust me when I tell you, the best you have in the hands of God is good. If you know God and have an intimate enough relationship with him to say, God, I have no idea what I'm doing. Help me. Trust me when I tell you that's the best that you could actually ever give. It's the ones who feel arrogant about parenting and about raising children that actually do more harm. It's the ones who feel like we do know it all. At some point, Every single one of us as adult comes to a point where we say, God, I have no idea what to do with that one. <laughs> that one right there. <laughs> and we have to put into practice what we actually believe. These are really your children. And you've allowed us to steward them for a season of their life but they're really yours. So what do you want me to do with your kids? Because my plan might not actually be the best. <laughs> Legit, I have had to have moments where some look, I'm a, I need to go talk to the Lord about you. Um, 
What we doing? <laughs> but our best, our best in God's hands is good. Does that mean that we don't have to grow and learn? Nope. That's not a thing. You should grow and you should learn because that's our best. <laughs> that's a part of knowing God. Knowing God is to also say, God, I don't know everything, so that means then I can seek you for understanding and knowledge and wisdom as it relates to this. Doesn't mean I never have to read a book. Nah, it's a part of who God is to instill humanity with wisdom and understanding, and I can seek God as I learn from other people. <laughs> read a book. It's okay. Do an audio book about parenting or about raising and about being a village, whatever. It's okay. Those of us, some of us are aunts and uncles, and we're not with children all the time. And so the idea of being with the child is like, ah, uh, it's okay to enter into that space with all of that tension and confusion and love that little human or that big human and even just be honest and say like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing here. What are we doing? <laughs> it's okay. It's a part of it. This is what this is. Some of our children will grow and be single and not have children. They need to actually have relationships with single people who don't have children so they know how to do that. That's a thing. It's okay. It's a part of what this is. Whatever our best is, trust me, God covers that. The gaps. Last little random thing. Um, if we are sincerely placing our best in God's hands, we are sincerely doing that. Our children, are, they experience, the, the children that are a part of this community experience a holistic raising that honestly is nowhere in the world around us. This is not about us being the best and being like hyper arrogant about Christianity, but the world around us focuses in on the guardians raising children. But we know something is different. Our best, I, Christine and I have gaps that y'all can fill. Our best. Our best is good. Not just the two of us. If you were a single parent, not just you. Our best is good. So I want to pray, but I actually would love for us to do something a little bit different today. Um, because um, it's a different kind of day. <laughs> uh, all of us in this room have influence with children, whether they're babies, infants, toddlers, big kids, teenagers, all of us do. And I actually want us, I'm, I, yes, I'm going to pray, but I also want you all to pray for one another. So I want to have a time where we kind of just break up and to pray for a moment for someone around you. And I, I specifically 
want you to, to pray, whatever it is that the Spirit leads, but also specifically praying for the influence that we have with children around us. Yes, here that show up in this building, but also in our spheres of influence. I want us to be empowered, but I also want us to feel like we're a community in doing this together. So that's what that's about. So that's, um, I'm going to, uh, if you could get some music going, that would be great. Um, then just a moment of prayer together, and then I'll close our time in prayer. You can um, pray with someone near you, um, or if you feel like the Lord is saying, go pray with somebody across the room, do that too. (laughs) Um, Let's do this. Let's pray, and then we can head out. Our Father, our God, who loves us so richly that you care to invite us to be your children. And we get to experience all that comes with that. Yes, the joy, yes, the blessing, ooh, it's good. But also the discipline, the correction, and even though it doesn't feel good, we do believe, we trust you, that it produces a harvest of peace in our life. Thank you for that. We are a village whom you have equipped and challenged to raise adults that have started as children. Will you give us grace and wisdom to do so well? Will we be merciful? God, will we demonstrate your discipline? Will we demonstrate your mercy and your grace, your kindness? your structure. May we do that together as well. Help us to know our role in one another's household's lives. That's something only you can do, Holy Spirit. Help us to see that. God, whether we're online or here in this room, God, those of us whom have Hannah's story Lord, may they receive what it is their heart desires. And whatever barrier or whatever thing is in the way, God, will you move it? Because you can. We believe that you work miracles. And so, Lord, will you do that? I'm not under any disillusionment, God, that everybody who ever needs and wants to have children should just ask you and it happens, God. That's sometimes what you're doing, but I feel like that's something that you're inviting us to ask you for today. So, God, we ask you that you would remove barriers so that we get a repeat of Hannah's story. We trust you, Lord. We honor you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.